Black Ops, League of Shadows, and Happy Harbor isn't always so happy, especially when you're in love. We're talking Batman, Cyborg, Halo, and more on today's After Show for Young Justice Season 3, Episodes 10 through 13. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz you know what that sound means? It means we're back after buzzers with that Young Justice Season 3. We're talking episodes 10 through 13 all day, every day, each and every week right here. Listen, we have so much to talk about as we discuss episode 10, Exceptional Human Beings, which was an exceptional episode. And then, of course, episode 11, Another Freak. Episode 12, Nightmare Monkeys, which was a very interesting take on an age-old tale. And episode 13, True Heroes. And we definitely need to talk about how true that episode was. My name's Teron. I will be your host all across the board. And I have my main man, Josh, in the booth, who will be with you all on the live chat so please feel free to comment and chatter we'd love to hear from you we break down each episode on its own episode 10 exceptional human beings we're going to be discussing santa prisca happy harbor hayward high who is harper Rowe, and a bit of the harpers and dr chase uh, with episode 11, Another Freak, we're going to discuss going back to school, Halo's new powers, and of course that cyborg appearance. We d- cannot wait to get into that. Episode 12, Nightmare Monkeys, we're discussing Beast Boy, Doom Patrol, Halo, and Halo is a mother box, which is craziness. And then of course episode 13, which ends this first part of Young Justice Outsider Season 3 story arc. We went through episodes 1 through 13. This was, in all essence, the mid-season finale for any other show. But since we binge-watched every Friday, we got three episodes at a time. This time we got four. Episode 13, True Heroes, comes out with the Bialia mission, Halo's Heart. Brion gets Tara back and a major betrayal, which sets up the tone for what we're going to be hoping is part two, which is coming out in June. We do have a special segment, which is our favorite ending to the show, and most importantly, some news and gossip right before we get into predictions to tie it all in. Let's start off with episode 10, Exceptional Human Beings. Here, we we start off with that dark op into the jungle. Batman, sighting. How exciting was that? Anytime we get a familiar face where we are more familiar, Batman, Superman, of course, Justice League, uh, any Wonder Woman, things like that, we're always going to be a little excited. I hope you are at home as well. It's some of my favorite stuff because the Young Justice universe is such an encompassing one where everybody gets to play a role. And it's the only it's the only DC property which does this on such a grand scale. Of course, with the live action, they have to be careful with whose toes they're stepping on, but not with the cartoons. The cartoons, as we've seen in the movies, and of course with Young Justice being the one that incorporates more, more of the characters than any other cartoon, I think we get something special. Batman entering the dark op, uh, of course, we see something very, very interesting. Oracle working with Batman. Here's the storyline that we have to remember is that Batman was the responsible for the the breakup of the Justice League or a lot of the a lot of the members leaving if you remember correctly where we get that title the outsiders that was Batman's own secret team 
Well, in the case of the cartoon, the outsiders seems to be the people who are on the outside or the outskirts of all of this. However, last week, we found out that they were all working together. So while not everyone in the Justice League, especially and including Superman, does not know that there is a secret agenda within the Justice League premise, they are working together. As we stated, there's six people running seven teams and making them, them all work. And of course, Batman is the brainchild, as Batman the detective is always the, the brilliant mastermind and strategist that he is. They go into this dark op, into the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, it says. Into Santa Prisca. And he takes with him Metamorpho and uh, a Katana. Funniest part was when Oracle says this is, that we're going silent for this, and reminds Metamorpho. Because Metamorpho is such a, such a talker. He always has snide comments to make and things to say, and is always in a skippy mood in a lot of, in a lot of regards. Which is interesting because it comes from a person who has such a almost dark persona and yet he always has these light comments to make maybe the wall he has the characteristic of why he is who he is they get into santa prisca and they see certain things of course they're a, a covert operation so they don't want to be seen they go through and they see lady shiva training lady, Sh lady shiva is known to be the most ruthless, deadliest woman on the planet. And we can actually take that directly from the show and, and we can enhance that and say she might be the deadliest woman or person on the planet because Lady Shiva's training is, is beyond measure. She is clearly an outstanding, and which is not even enough of a word to describe her, her tactical and combat training, especially with the blade. So as soon as we see Lady Shiva training, we notice that the, the training line consists of all men with one female with the outline where we're wondering who that female is. We're also automatically perceiving a Katana versus Shiva standoff. That's what we're looking for in that situation. We're hoping something like that happens. We don't get it at the, at the top. We actually build into that, which was great because it was almost anticipation. Deathstroke comes back and they take... Take Shiva. Shiva takes one of the soldiers, which is, of course, the female trainee, and takes her with her to go meet up with Deathstroke. And she says something which is such a key element in the show. It is a fool who thinks anger will help in battle. This is an important key element because of the calm, cool collectiveness of who Lady Shiva is and how she trains. And for her to be someone's mentor means that you're learning from the best. It's also a direct contrast with Brion and their training as Nightwing is going to go through. And we see that dichotomy in Lady Shiva's training with Nightwing. Nightwing is over there training Forger, Halo, and Brion and going through and dealing with that Brion anger, which is reminiscent of Superboy Season 1. So... Here they meet up with Deathstroke, and once they do, we realize that the person who she's taken aside, who for the first part, I was under the impression that it would be Tara. I thought it would be Tara for sure. Turns out to be Cassandra Savage. Cassandra Savage is the one, of course, daughter of Vandal Savage, who we saw in the last episode, culminating into who she is being groomed to become. And of course, in Vandal Savage way, Vandal Savage says... Do not give her special treatment. That's that's basically the Vandal Savage way of saying, let's toughen her up. She's going to be, she's going to earn it. She's going to earn it. And we see too often that legacies don't earn what they, what they receive. But Cassandra is very much earning it. 
And even though Lady Shiva's in a precarious situation of, as Deathstroke puts it, you're training the boss's daughter, but you're not. You're training the ultimate soldier. And so Lady Shiva's taking a, a form of pride in this training, especially the camaraderie that's happening as one female superior warrior is passing on her knowledge to another possible superior warrior who also happens to be female. Very good stuff. In this life, it pays not to get attached to anyone. Where does that come from? That line comes from Cassandra having a roommate and that roommate being gone, missing, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, gone. That roommate, as we get that information, Miss Markov, only known by the last name, we, of course, realize and recognize that that's Tara, Tara Markov. Now that she's missing, we are assuming either the best or the worst. Either it's because she went on that she went on that mission, or, or it's because she's gone. She's done something to betray the League and betray the Light, and they have taken her out. That's what makes it a very interesting and scary situation. We do find out later what happens to her, but in this situation, we only know that she's missing. And that's why Lady Shiva turns, and then Deathstroke gives that piece of advice. In this life, it pays not to get attached to anyone. We're seeing Cassandra being trained in a manner that is befitting another person who is to take leadership in the light. That darkness that's coming from. Very art of war, very Sun Tzu, very warrior way of life. Deathstroke is now leading the shadows and the newest member of the light. Or at least we are under the perception that he's leading the shadows. If this is completely true, has yet to be remained to be seen. What we do know is he's the newest member of the light, leading showers and his shadows, as far as we know, and is in cahoots with the entire organization and the plan that is meant to be carried out. Deathstroke being a very formidable foe on his own right. Fast forward to the secret ops. As we're learning this information, because we decided to follow Lady Shiva, Batman is on his own. Batman has now infiltrated certain areas, and he needs to get on this boat, according to Oracle. Before he gets on the boat, Bane... And if we all know who Bane is, we all recognize Bane. Bane is the one who bo broke Batman's back in the cartoon, in the comic, and in the movie, live action. Bane is just a very formidable foe as well. Bane, however, in this case, is sans his juice, his boogie juice, the juice that makes him grow into Bane. How, uh, he says that now he doesn't need it. He's strong without it. I'm sure there's some type of light involvement in, in uh, some form of an injection, possibly, where it's a constant stream in his blood. We get several, several standoffs at this point. Very exciting to watch these fights. First one, we get Batman versus Bane. Second one, we get that payoff, Katana versus Lady Shiva. The third one that we get is Metamorpho, uh, Made Metamorpho takes on Deathstroke. Batman and Bane, epic, because we're waiting for it to go down. We love it. They've always been, that conflict, they've always been two people whose battles never, ever, ever fail to entertain. They never fail to be glorious, and this one was no exception. Stepping onto the side, Katana and Lady Shiva, like two warriors, literally just step to the side. They walk. They don't run. They step to the side and begin battle. To which 
Lady Shiva says something of all interest and value to Katana. Lady Shiva says, I'm the better swordsman, but you, your blade, the soul taker, Katana's mystical blade, the soul taker, is a better blade. I don't know if my blade will, ha uh, will ha hang on, will, will stand up to yours. Very interesting to know that we needed to know the name of Katana's blade, the soul taker. That seems to be some type of foreshadow into something that's going to play out later on. We should pay a lot of attention to who Katana is because they have brought her in for a reason. Metamorpho and Deathstroke, fun battle. Deathstroke fighting Metamorpho and still holding his own. You would think Metamorpho with the, with the abilities to change into any substance in any shape would have such an advantage of Deathstroke. But Deathstroke being such a, an amazing fighter, of course, holds his own. Uh, Metamorpho has to change into different different substances at different times the anvil that hit him in the face that that huge hammer that was a great great punch but other than that metamorpho didn't get in as many licks as you would think actually deathstroke might have taken that one when it comes to lady shiva and katana it did look like lady shiva might have been the one who was going to best katana however katana definitely held her own and with batman versus bane it was at best a draw it had to be it had to be a situation where there was a time where where Bane had his foot on on Batman's face. I mean, you shouldn't be able to get that close to Batman. He's Batman. He's brilliant. I don't know yet if Batman wanted to be seen. And I think that plays a little bit of a part. There was something that was very interesting in the beginning when Bane stated, no one gets on Santa Prisca without Bane knowing. And of course, Batman and Batman in a Batman way says, except Cult of the Cobra, Aqualad, Robin, Kid Flash, Rocket, Zatanna, basically goes down the list of all the people that have been on Santa Prisca without his knowledge. Leaves out Metamorpho and Katana because at that point they had yet to be seen. They jump in and get into the battle because they're, they think that they're in a way helping Batman. Batman may have wanted them to be unseen. We don't know. Then it becomes a free-for-all in the way that Metamorpho switches up and takes on Lady Shiva, and Katana takes on Deathstroke, and they do they fare a little better when they're not against their prospective nemesis. They, they also, another key element into this secret op is hearing the name Granny Goodness and connecting it to the light and connecting it to the League of Shadows. That's the piece of information I believe they were there for. They were also there possibly to collect terror and gain information into what the light is trying to do. Oracle sends, sends a Batwing to pick them up. They get on the Batwing and they are gone. Let's go to Happy Harbor and everything that's happening there. Uh, Superboy and McGann are lovebirds they're freshly engaged they they're having a, a, a interesting time and and before we get on to the next topic i want to let all of you at home know and that was such a teaser because there's so much that goes on i want to let all of you all know that i want to thank you for making us the espn of tv talk and for us to continue to grow we could use your help if you're on youtube right now hit that thumbs up button and subscribe and if you're on itunes please give us a five star rating but no matter where you are leave us a comment so you can get involved in conversation being a part of AfterBuzz has truly meant so much to all of us and we actually 
dedicatedly appreciate your supporting us and doing what we love. Don't forget to tell your friends and keep enjoying our shows. You are so much to me because without this panel of all, all of you, it would really just be me talking for me. So thank you all. Please comment below and let us know how you feel about this show. We'd love to hear from you and love to hear your insight. A lot of you give amazing perspective. I do my best to answer everybody that I can. Thank you so much for making us the ESPN of TV talk. Now, back to Super Bowl and McGann, that same love affair that they're having, uh, that we're having, they're having except times 10, because now we see a little hanky-panky as Superboy goes into the bathroom, and the, goes into the bathroom with McGann, of course, uh, with the towel on that's meant for the adults, this isn't a kid's show, even though it's a cartoon, and says, Dick can handle things just fine on his own. Triple entendre, as we, we'd love to say, because we fast forward to Nightwing training Halo Forger, and Geoforce. Forger is still without a shell, but we see we see what seems to be like the inklings of a new shell coming on. Very small sighting of it. They can't tag Nightwing. These three people have powers. Forger has his shell and he has this spin move that he does. Geoforce has all the lava and Geoforce that he can muster with that. And then Halo is just on her path to becoming uh, superhero superhero every week it seems like there's a new glow that does something new she's creating she's creating holograms she's flying she's shooting she's shielding she's doing everything you could expect you would write down the fantasies of what i would want in a superhero halo has and they can't tag nightwing nightwing by the way why is it so impressive? Is because he has no powers. Let's not forget, Dick Grayson is just Dick Grayson. There is no superpower in Dick Grayson. And the only superpower that Dick Grayson has is the same one Batman has, willpower, and maybe not as much money. So the fact that they can't tag him shows that these three are still very green. They're very, very new at the superhero training stuff. And Brion gets upset because he thinks he's ready, but he's not. Just like most People in general, athletes, this happens all the time. I'm ready for the draft. You're not NBA ready, buddy. You have to work. Practice makes perfect. You need to get your 10,000 hours in. That's something that's very important. It's getting that 10,000 hours. Nothing beats practice. And hard work will beat talent when talent refuses to work hard. And that's where we're at with Brion and Halo and Forger. Forger and Halo have no problems practicing. They are patient. Brion's the one who's impatient, which seems to be a problem that's followed him throughout his life, as Brion is the one also worried about his sister and worried about returning to his country, Markovia, which he's been exiled from. He gets upset. What are we going to do about my sister? And Nightwing, of course, says, hey, why would you think we're not doing anything about this situation and or your sister? You need to figure out if you trust me or not. And that's a key component to everything is, do they trust Nightwing? Of course, we trust Nightwing. We know who he is. But these three are newly introduced to the entire situation. And even though Nightwing and, and Superboy and McGann, they've all been extremely good to them. Of course, Tigress, the whole nine. They still, Brion especially, is still on the fence of, if this is as a priority, as much a priority to them as it is to him, that's his blood. That's his sister. Uh, that's why that family time 
where we get that situation where Halo and 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 Forger have decided to go to school is such an important thing. That family component is where we're looking. Do we trust this family? We know that Halo and Forger seem to be going along, but they also tend to follow Brion. Brion is going to be that X factor where we need to know, is his impatience going to be the his, his tragic flaw? Is it going to be his hubris of I'm ready to do something and I'm not I'm I'm not waiting for anyone else. What I felt was a bit of hubris was sending these two to school, Halo and and Forger. Forger gets a new name. Halo goes by Violet. We find out that she goes by Violet and ends the name with Harper. Violet Harper. And then <laughs> Forger, and this was that comic relief we've grown to love from Forger, is Fred Bug with two Gs. And he says that Fred Bug with two Gs is Fred Bug with two Gs. That's such a fun situation. We also get this other, situ other situation. While all this fun is going on, Cheshire shows up. And she's spying on Leanne and the family, and she's feeling some type of way. Emotional outburst that we're, is a rare sight and scene for Cheshire to exemplify. As we see, Cheshire comes in to see Leanne, but she also is there to say goodbye. Uh, Will Harper, immediately using his awareness and his training, notices that, that Cheshire is there, goes out and talks to her, and she says goodbye, bringing up and re re uh insinuating that she's not good enough to be there she wasn't cut out for this life she's only one way it, it's a very it's a very empathetic scene for us to watch because we know that there's good in her but she doesn't know that there's good in herself and it's interesting to watch that dynamic play out we want her to come home we do we there's something slowly happening with will and and tigress but we want cheshire back home that's who belongs there not just leon's mother but but will agrees will brings it up and speaks to her and we we see that one tear that just streams down her face and we realize that even cheshire even cheshire has emotions she can't run from everything in another course of everything when it comes to this concepts of family. So now we've got Batman's family, which is a secret ops. We have Nightwing's family, which is the team of outsiders. We see, we see Superboy and McGann's family beginning to blossom. We see the hive of, of Forager's family going to school and being enrolled in school. We see Breon concerned about his family, which is his sister who's been missing. And now we get this Vic Stone and his father, Dr. Stone, Silas Stone, uh, and and this interaction between the two. Uh, Victor calls Silas and, hey, and being familiar and fun, and Silas being the forever strict parent, as hey is for horses, hello is for humans, and Victor says, well, what makes you think I'm human? A foreshadow of what he does become. Uh, then Silas is, of course, automatically back into work mode. Dr. Iron calls, and he's kind of given uh, Victor the, the cold shoulder, and Victor is just a normal teenage kid, wants his dad to be there at his football game. He's becoming this amazing football star everyone's recognizing, and dad isn't going to his games and has promised before he would be there, and he wasn't. And Victor's like, you said that last time. So we start getting this discourse between them. Uh, 
a Dr. Iron calls Dr. Stone and sets up that whole father box play, being the play. Father box, of course, being very important in this situation because the father box is going to be the nemesis to the mother box and is what's going to make Cyborg Cyborg. It's a different backstory than the one we're used to, but definitely plays big time in this new world of Young Justice. Uh, and we get this feel for Dr. Stone, who's way more scientist than he is parent, way more scientist than he is human, way more scientist than he is a friend. He says things like technology is neither good nor evil. It's simply how one puts it to use. When confronted with the fact that the father box is evil, the father box being that nemesis, the anti to the mother box that we've all grown to love, that we know is this living technology from off world, the concept of the mother box. And Vic has a big game, wants his dad to be there. He's with his team, he sees his team. Uh, players have their fathers there, which, I, of course, I like because here we are exemplifying black fathers being in their sons' lives. Thank you, Young Justice, for bringing that to play. And we see these Haywood High Steelworkers winning the game, and we see a recruit from Metropolis, you, you, come in and say, trust me, kid, I see great things in your future. Another foreshadow. We, of course, know Vic Stone becomes cyborg, but for the sake of those who didn't, here we are getting tidbits of of things to play, things to be. And and his future may not be the greatness that he's expecting. Really quick, I want to touch on Dr. Chase. I want to touch on Dr. Chase because that was that was a big thing, uh, but it was a little part. As Dr. Chase mentions with, of course, her relationship, starting her little family circle with Black Lightning, they have a conversation Black Lightning Jefferson uh, having a conversation in which Dr. Chase uh, remembers the last thing that happened. And Jefferson says, don't you mean your kids? Because that's what she had said. She said, protect my kids. Is that a foreshadow? Is it possible that Breon somehow belongs to Dr. Chase? Is it more? Is it just Dr. Chase feels responsible for them? We don't know, but we're getting some tidbits. They're showing us something, something more there. Dr. Chase is there more. Episode 11, Another Freak, we go back to school, which I thought was the worst decision. Like, why send these kids who aren't ready or acclimated to life in the States, let alone life in in the schooling system to school. Why send them to school at all? They can be homeschooled. We have a homeschool system. I understand that you're best friends with the principal. You, you guys needed to stay home, but they get sent to school. Uh, and we also see another thing um, going to school where Forger, he speaks about himself in the, in the third person all the time. Fred Bug with two G's. That's going to be something that might be noticed by the other kids. And Halo, she keeps using her powers. Halo, no flying. Halo, no flying. That was a fun time, but you got to understand, they're supposed to be covert in this situation, not showing them their true forms to the kids at school. That could be a very awkward thing or give, in, give insight into who the rest of the team is. We're all going on these aliases because we're trying to protect their real identities. And we also meet Harper Rowe. Now, if you know anything about the, uh, the comics, Harper Rowe is Bluebird, the vigilante in the Batman world. Uh, she so, so on the show, she's just a high school student, and she's Harper Rowe, and she's the one that befriends them because she's an outsider herself. She's kind of like this, the, the, the freak kid at school, the, the, the underdog, the, the punk. 
and and she's such a she was such a lovable character. She immediately had an affinity for Halo and Fred Fred Bug with two G's because she felt compelled and connected to their weirdness. And now, for the sake of all the Young Justice, we have five Batman members on the show. We have we've had five appearances from this Batman world: Damian, Jason Todd, Spoiler, Orphan, and now Harper Rowe. This there's a huge Batman tie-ins to a lot of this because it is outsiders. Violet, we see at school, is not feeling well. And it's really weird because it's like a stomach illness. Uh, if anything, if it was 16 and pregnant, I'd be like, uh-oh, that's Violet. But no, we know Violet is is chased. We just don't know what's going on with Violet's illness. Is she developing a new power? And of course she does. Violet develops this new power as no one eats lunch with them at school, so they're outside Uh she she sits with Harper Rowe at the bleacher, and Violet de- develops the power to open up boom tubes. This is where we start getting a clue into who to Violet who Halo really is, and that's what's so strong about this this connection to that boom tube. Where does this boom tube lead? Why does she open this boom tube? Where is she going? What is she doing with it? That's where the storyline for Silas Stone and Vic Stone plays because Vic comes in upset about her, his father not being at the game. Why is the storyline included into this? Is because as Vic comes in and he's mad at his father, he walks out, pulls a plug, some plug that was just poorly placed uh, on the side, pulls it out and it causes a huge explosion, which... The way they portrayed Vic just under the rubble was crazy. I mean, there was blood, there was there was bone, there was definitely death in the air. And we have to wonder why that plug was right by the door. Seriously injured is an understatement for what happened to him. Dr. Stone loves his kid. Even though he's the scientist, he loves his kid. But now he gets to be both. He gets to be the scientist and love his kid. Grabs the father box, boom, slaps it on. Victor says, they use the father box to heal their own, right? Let's watch it heal. Father box creates this uh, titanic techno-organic cocoon around Victor Stone. And we see the changes that take place. The father box opens up and we get... Cyborg. Cyborg emerges in all his glory. An an evil cyborg to play for sure. And when I say evil, it's because he has these murderous tendencies. And he says, starts off with, you murdered my future. Now I have to murder yours. These murderous tendencies are a psyche evaluation of what the father box is. So now we get to merge these two storylines. The boom tube is opened up and Halo goes in by herself and appears at this lab, ready to go. She's the only one that can, A, fight back against Cyborg because everyone in that lab is clearly outmatched, and B, has the ability to help cleanse or reprogram or remove the evilness from the father box of Cyborg. That's why that skill developed, and she was compelled to do so. She was drawn there as her mother boxness comes out. Once again, we still don't know that mother box component yet, but we're getting some type of understanding that that's what's coming to play. These are all signs. Everything she does is something the mother box is able to do. And it's very interesting that because we were all programmed to look at her form and not her powers, we're paying attention to, well, mother boxes aren't humans, so she just has these powers, right? We're all being, we're being tricked in that way. On the meanwhile, 
We get that Nightwing versus Brion Brion, and it's not happy in Happy Harbor as Brion is always checking his phone for news on Markovia, and Nightwing gives him this, this piece of advice. Are you a man perpetually looking backwards to what he has lost or a man looking forward to what he might become? And as we see with Halo purging the evilness from Cyborg, at least temporarily, we see a similar purge from Nightwing to Brion of his lust quest to do something irrational because he starts looking to his to to the fort. In episode 12 we get a whole different shift. We're shifting gears really fast. And even though it was a very uh fun episode, it seemed to play in the component of bringing Beast Boy into the mix. Beast Boy of course, has gone on to his TV show, and he's Edson Valiant on this TV show, this TV show about being a Martian and other worlds. It's a mix of Star Trek and, and all these good plays on these Babylon 5 and all these like uh, space-type shows where Beast Boy is working, and now we get some pieces of information. The show is produced by, by Good World Studios, which is, of course, a subsidiary owned by Granny Goodness, and... We see a lot of people in his in his life. We see, of course, Mary, his mother who has passed, Rita, his godmother, who is Alaska, also gone. Minto, his stepfather, who we see in the sequence, has resurfaced, reclaimed his parental rights, and basically used Beast Boy's powers to make him rich, manipulated Beast Boy into going into the path of his mother. His mother, of course, being Hello, Megan! Uh, responsible for McGann's transformation into who she was. Uh, we also see that Beast Boy is the star, but he's not as happy as we thought he was in his decision to be a star. How this plays is a dream sequence in a way, because he puts on the VR goggles when he's with Perdita, uh, the, the princess. He puts on on his little date. He puts on the VR goggles, and we see the VR goggles are more than what we thought. They inject and test for the test for the metahuman gene, and they program the wearer to follow this path to go to one of these metahuman gene collecting stations that they've set up. So Granny Goodness is up to no good. We always suspected it. We always knew it. But now we see what she's doing and why these VR goggles play such a huge part. When Gar, when Beast Boy puts on the goggles, the goggles just point them and, and it sends them to Encino, where if you're in the L.A. area, you know, that's craziness. It was like Encino and they showed 405, 101, boom, get off right there on Balboa or White Oak. And it was just a very, very interesting note to L.A. life and traffic patterns. When he's in this dream sequence, we get a lot of people that he's known, Kit flashes in it, things of that nature. But. And we get these different drawings, the Teen Titan drawings and things like that. But here we get something very special. And it's a nod to future DC streaming show. Uh, the Titans did this as well. To Doom Patrol. We get a lot of Doom Patrol. And it seems to be a Doom Patrol promo for us to be excited in Doom Patrol and to watch Doom Patrol. Here we get... Here we get all the Elastigirl and the Steve Statins and learning about who each and every one of them are for a second. And it's a throwback to a different style of drawing, that Teen Titan Go drawing style. Very interesting. It's But it is for sure a promo for Doom Patrol. There's no other real poignant point to have this in the show. We do flash to Hello Megan and pulling out a beehive and then the Queen Bee shows up. So now we have all these things. 
going on at the same time. And and Perdita calls 911 and calls Superboy and McGann. McGann being Beast Boy's older blood sister and literally blood sister because it's that blood transfusion that creates Beast Boy in the first point part, uh, especially for the Young Justice universe that we're using. But Beast Boy is in this mind world of his own. He doesn't technically need McGann's help. She doesn't know that as she enters the mind. What we see is the mighty monkey god that made Beast Boy Beast Boy because up to this point, it seemed like it was just an accident. But he's like, no, I chose you. I chose you, which uh, it's interesting. It, it kind of sounds like a Wally West situation. Uh, we see that he solves it on his own and he's ready to get back to the life. In this dream sequence, he figures out his true destiny lies with being a hero, lies with the Justice League and being a part of something much larger than himself, that this was all his attempt to run away from the truth. Um, and it was just a very compelling story to get Beast Boy in. Did we need an entire episode for this? Sure, especially because it was, a, it was episode 12, so we're thinking episode 13 is going to be huge. And then we get the revelation that's huge, a, a huge one, a huge revelation that Halo is a mother box, that the soul of the mother box, as we see at the Bedlam Hospital, uh, the Bedlam Hospital, the hospital run by Bedlam uh, in Markovia, when the, when the mother box was murdered, we're thinking that the soul escaped of the mother box and then was somehow transplanted into Gabrielle Dale at that time, now known as Violet in Halo. And that's why... Violet keeps saying, I'm not Gabrielle, I'm not Gabrielle. And so now we get flashes of Gabrielle's memories and Mother Box's knowledge, which is where these flashes of knowledge and these births come from. That was a huge, huge plot point that we got in one of the best ways. I was expecting for something a little more exciting, but we did get a good payoff with that. So thank you, Young Justice, for making that happen. And we see that as Supercycle attacks Cyborg at the mention of Father Box. Boom. So now we understand why Mother Box and Father Box have a connection. Super Cycle being a part of that tech attacks Cyborg, brings them out. Halo does her indigo glow and fixes that. A little point that we need to bring up is the love stories that are going on at the same time. Superboy and McGann haven't had time alone. This is a newly fresh engaged couple. They discuss and they jump out. What do we need? And Superboy says secret base and McGann says date night. Talk about guy girl dynamic if, if I've heard one. And Wolf, who has been a great, who's been the wisest of them all, just looks up disappointed and walks away. So good for you, Wolf. We got a, we good, good for you, Wolf. And, the other thing we get, without a buildup at all, which they just kind of threw up, threw on us, was in the woods, Brion and Halo kiss with no story. We we've been shipping this for a while. Let's let's call them Briolo. We're shipping it, right? Halion, whatever you guys want to call it. I want to hear in the comment below. What are we shipping? They're pairing us, but. Basically, when it happens, we don't get a real buildup. We don't get a buildup. It just happens, and now we know it's in existence. Now comes the part one mid-season finale. Explosions, fireworks, let's make this happen. Boom. Disappointing episode. I got I to gotta be very honest. This was a very disappointing episode. It's almost as if they had no time. They had to write it. They just wanted to get stuff out. It was a lot of stuff happened, and yet 
nothing was done fully. And I was very disappointed in this episode. I was expecting much more. They say that expectation is the parent of all all failure. And that's what I, I it failed to meet my expectations. I was not I was not happy at all. The Bialia mission, Halo's Halo's falling in love with Brionne so quickly. I mean, she was totally thirsty. Brionne uh, getting Tara back wasn't as strong. And of course, the only poignant point was the major betrayal at the end, which was literally half a second. Here we get Halloween and Happy Harbor. They're going to the Happy Harbor High School Halloween dance. Fred Bug with two Gs goes as Forger with sans the sans the costume, the charm that we are used to, which played from season two with Tigress, uh, making her Tigress to begin with is we see Forger uses that to look like a regular boy. Boom, he takes it off, and that's his Halloween costume. We also see that Forger's shell is healing. So at the same time, uh, they get a piece of news, and they decide to take out all the metahuman trafficking depots at the same time. Uh, Nightwing's been setting this up. That's a big thing. They're getting them set up at the same time so that all of this can happen simultaneous. That way, we are not left with them being able to contact each other, the metahuman places. Uh, they go for Greater Bialya. That's the one. They're going for Tara Markov. And so now that we know the goggles are designed to test for the human metagene and then program to send them to a specific location, we get that concept. And behind it is Queen B. Queen B and her, and we've been looking for her because she's come and gone, but here we have Queen B. We, and of course it's in Bialya, so that's Queen B has stepped into that t- territory already from season two we get these this metahuman trafficking and their enforcers queen bee has this crew of attackers uh, simon devastation the terror twins who we've seen in the in the jail mammoth and shimmer jr if you remember shimmer he had fallen in love with mcgann uh, unbeknownst that it was mcgann so they are onslaught that's their code name code name onslaught they go there, and there's this metahuman gene fight club, and Tara's one of the people fighting, and she's fighting Holocaust. Holocaust versus Tara. You're expecting Tara to win. Tara loses. Tara loses. Shocking. But Brion is able to purchase her uh, for $500,000. I'm sure between Nightwing and Brion, Brion being a prince and Nightwing being the heir of a billionaire, I'm sure they had the money. So they bought him. Black Lightning uses the rail to shock Simon down because Simon has the ability to pick up on these these mental waves and would have been able to determine that Brion was there because of his, his angst and anger. They go back to greater Biala. This is rescue part two. They can't just leave the rest of the kids there just because they've saved Tara. So forger opens fire on the venue for distraction, which this is the most unsecret of all secret operations. They just go and we're here. We are, and this is who we are. And devastation since onslaught after the secret force. That's not so secret. And that's the thing. Uh, Brion is kind of like, what are we still doing here? And they bring it up. And they're like, hey, we're not going to leave the rest of the kids there. So Brion and Forger are on board the ship. They do go back to help. They're supposed to get out of there, but they go back. And Devastation says she can take anything Black Lightning has to throw at her. So he powers up and goes, good, I've been waiting to hear that. And boom, Black Lightning unleashes. And this time, Devastation doesn't die, but like the young girl that made him not use his powers in the first place. But definitely gets a beating. At home, back in Happy Harbor, Halo is worrying, almost over-worrying, uh, over-worrying about Brion. 
Dr. Chase, we find out, had a little girl who was taken from her. We're going to get more of that story. That's interesting because now we're understanding a little more of her affinity towards these kids. She brushes Halo's hair to calm her down. Victor, cyborg, gets up, leaves the room so that Halo can take off her her job. Very culturally aware. The conversation turns from love to almost sex and Victor feels embarrassed but turns back to father box. In that moment, picking up on the fact that Halo can't control her emotions and Mother Box at the same time, losing her powers, which I don't know why that would even be a thing. Like, why? These are new symptoms to her, but why would Mother Box stop being Mother Box in that, in that moment? Father Box, Cyborg calls Mother Box an abomination, as they are two nemesis. And Cyborg chases uh, Halo down after striking Dr. Chase like it's a Halloween scary movie. Basically, I got a bit of a shining feel in that moment. Finally, uh, we get that reunion, of course. Tara's chip is broken on the ship. Tara's back at home. Uh, Halo is able to be helpful in the time that she needs because we've pointed out that she becomes the most powerful when she needs to help and is able to permanently purge Father Box's negative evilness from Cyborg, as far as we know, but she feels or senses the difference. And then here's the most important part of the of the whole thing. The most important part, the most important part to know is this is the only reason this episode had any redeeming factor is when Tara not only forgives Dr. Chase and ingratiates herself into the home and we've been waiting for her and she no longer has the chip that controls her. Now we're like, oh, this is Tara, this is Brion's sister. Finally, she's back. She's a young kid. Tara texts Deathstroke, I'm in. Betrayal. Betrayal Finishing off the episode 13, the last part, this mid-season finale, Betrayal. I'm in. She's still, she's not being controlled now. This is her. She's now betrayed Brion, and that's going to be the setup for part two. Let's get into our special segment. Our special segment. Hey, Ron, of... actually, before we get into the hello, folks, this is Josh in the booth. I actually have an interesting question here from Renji90998. Uh, do you think Starfire or and Raven will make an appearance? Wow, that's a great call. And actually, it's actually perfect for our part two, uh, our special news and segment section. And I'm so glad you asked that because we do have a special news and section section where we learn about what's going on for 2019. The special segment, really quick, is going to be uh, the, the scene that most represents who you are. And that scene for me would be in episode 10 with Metamorpho and Oracle. And that was very funny. Where Oracle's like, silent op. This is silent. And Metamorpho has to, uh, has to be like, ugh. Like, he knows it's meant for him. Let's get into that question really quick. TV news. Perfect. So, now we get a we get something on Screen Rant when Young Justice Outsiders returns. We're expecting a return in 2019. We were it was in the dark for most of us. We get a schedule finally of when things come out. Here, Young Justice is from January and February. We're gonna get Doom Patrol next, which I'm sure I'm gonna be on the panel. Then we're gonna get Young Justice in June and Swamp Thing. September, we're starting off Stargirl, and then we're going into the Harley Quinn at in October for the end of the year. DC streaming is looking very strong. What to expect from the second half of Young Justice? Well, the biggest part is we now know the storyline is from Teen Titans' Judas Contract. That is a huge storyline in the Teen Titans. So it's going to be great. The changing story so that Tara's brother, Breon, is part of that betrayed team is an interesting twist to that 
classic story. I love it. I love it. Of course, we're going to expect to have new God's influence on Earth to expand. Granny goodness, we're going to find out a lot more about those goggles. The introduction of cyborgs, uh, Cyborg is just because that Judas contract, it shows that we're going to get a lot more of that Titans, new Titans feel, and so much going on. That's what we're expecting, and we're so excited for for a part two of Young Justice. I I was disappointed in the in the end of episode thirteen. I was uh, not the end, but the the ending that that was the mid season finale. But I was very excited for Young Justice season three Outsiders, and I hope you are too. I appreciate each and every one of you for being here with us. My predictions go hand in hand with with what we've been told by Screen Rant. I do think that the light is going to come to the light and we're going to get a one clash and it's going to involve everybody and all the betrayal and of course but we all expect that what else is there to expect what only thing i expect is for all of you at home uh to be a part of our panel when we come back with young justice i'm hoping to get a full panel for that so we have a lot more perspective i appreciate each and every one of your perspectives at home it's been wonderful having you here on the panel even in the headset thank you josh for letting me know what was being going on well, of course, of the course, whole time before we hang out real quick i just want to give a shout out to most of our uh, people in the chat so we got renji 90998 beast wars fan and timberwolf 410 for pretty much just keeping the uh themselves entertained in chat and just uh i appreciate that thank you so much you guys and you guys are there for almost all these dc shows so i thank you guys i know the names are familiar and of course i should be familiar to you at this point i am teron literally at i am teron all across the board on twitter instagram facebook find me and, and tell your friends to find me so as we get into this prediction is basically Man, so much is going to happen in that second part of the season, and I can't wait to, to find out with you. Find me on social media. Tell your friends to tell their friends. Share and subscribe. And I'm looking forward to seeing you, Young Justice fans, next season, coming back in June, right here at AfterBuzz TV. I don't know what to tell you but this. Hope we get more Batman. Same bat time, same bat channel. From me to you, have a wonderful rest of your night. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.